Dr. Dana Varble joins us every other Friday. She is Chicago's exotic pet vet, but she's also the chief veterinary officer for the North American Veterinary Community. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm good, Lisa. Enjoying the, the end of summer weather we're all having. We love it. Today, it's cool enough yeah, to take your so dogs nice. for a walk, and they're not panting, and you're not mm-hmm. burning up from the sun. A couple questions for you. One of the things that somebody sent in was, do dogs grieve? And then Dana, who I met mm. at the Pride Parade, said he had two dogs that were siblings. One passed away, and like the other texter, the other one that's left behind quits eating, mopes. Mm-hmm. They grieve, don't they? They really do, Lisa. It's actually a pretty well-known fact. I mean, dogs are very social animals, right? I mean, it's why, we, it's why we have them around. They're part of our families. It's very common for them to have actually close bonds with the other animals in your house. So when a pet passes away, the animals that are remaining often will start to act really different. Um, and it's not unusual for them to go through a prolonged period of adjustment that very much looks kind of like depression. Um, they don't eat, they're low energy. It may take them a while. They may not be as social. Or conversely, they may be like super clingy and anxious and just go through a period. And it, it depends. Every animals different i would say cats take longer just to everything in life yeah but uh you know it's not unusual for dogs to have a period of even weeks or even a month where they're just not quite themselves again trying to find their way in that new world and dr varble why do dogs tilt their head to the side i swear my dogs know exactly what i'm saying and they're like huh what yeah so there was a recent article about this and it was really good because they started to study this because it used to be we thought they did that so they could hear the sounds better the same way like the owls and other animals move their head side to side to help kind of triangulate where a sound is coming from but the more they studied this in dogs they found out they were just thinking about things (laughs) (laughs) so it's it seems to happen when dogs are trying to recognize what your t- words, what you're talking to them about. So you know the big word, the W A O K word, the T R E A T A S word, which they can spell. Now. Of- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I swear, if you say T R E A T, all three of my dogs go, "Oh, did you say treat?" <laughs> oh, we figured that out. Yes, a lot of them do start to figure out the spelling too, which is hilarious. But. Those words make, they, they, they know those words, right? Dogs have a bigger vocabulary than we ever thought, too. So when they hear these keywords, especially if they hear them and you're saying them in a sentence, they'll start to cue in and they'll tilt their head to the side. And it's literally because they're using their brain to try and recognize those words as part of your speech. What's really funny is when you think about, oh, okay, that's great that dogs do that. I swear everybody on, who hears this now is going to realize that for the rest of the day, most of the time we do the same thing. Mm. <laughs> right. So when you're thinking about something, you kind of subconsciously cock your head to the side. And again, no one really knows why, but language and processing tends to be on one side of the brain or the other. So you tend to kind of tilt your head to the side that you're thinking on. Um, It's just kind of a funny behavior. We all do it. Not 100% sure why, but it turns out dogs do it too. Dr. Dana Barble is Chicago's exotic pet vet. And do you let your dogs lick your face? Should we let our dogs (laughs) lick our face? My mother would come on glued when that would happen. (laughs) Well... 
So confession time. So I, I'm this is I'm bad at it. I am. Um, you know, we think we shouldn't let them. Your mom is right, as moms often are. Yeah. Um, you know, mouths in general are not clean. Again, dog mouths, cat mouths animal mouths, but even people mouths. We have bacteria in our mouth. Some of those bacteria can be kind of some of the scary ones, things like E. coli, salmonella, enterococcus, icky bacteria that can make us sick. So in general, mouths are not clean, and we should not let our dogs lick our faces, mostly around your own mouth, your nose, your eyes. Um, You know, unfortunately, some dogs are kind of Sneak attack lickers. <laughs> oh, I've got you'll one. You'll be he, sitting there. Yeah, yeah. He loves it. He just says, like, please, just let me kiss you. Uh-huh. And you, the ones, I like the dogs that you're sitting next to and you think you're just talking and then they'll turn around and give you a big <laughs> slurp right across the face. Yeah. Um, but in general, it's not the best practice, you know, especially now if you're someone who's ill already or you're immune compromised, you're going undergoing cancer treatment or, again, very young children or the elderly should really avoid that. It, it could make you sick. And back to dogs grieving. Someone sent in a text and said, do they, mm. gr- do they grieve people when people pass or leave as well? I think so. You know, I think there's a lot, again, a lot of evidence to show that dogs, when a pack member, when a member of their household is suddenly gone, whether that's someone that, I mean, certainly the person they interact with every day, but truly any person that they interact with on a regular basis, they're going to notice that change in routine. Absolutely. And one last question on that before we take a break and come back and take some phone calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, the number is 312-981-7200. This person said, if you have two dogs that are inseparable and one has to be put down, do you take the mm-hmm. other with so they can say goodbye? Ooh, that's a tough one. And, you know, this is really a personal choice because when it comes time for euthanasia, everyone grieves differently. Um, I've done both. I've had to take a pet away to be euthanized without their companion, and I've been able to do it at home alongside their companion at times. And I have to say, I didn't really notice a difference because it's the change afterwards that is the big difference. Mm -hmm. They know that the normal routine is not going to be the same for a while. So I would say you have to do what's best for you and your pet. You know, everyone grieves very differently. Everything, everyone goes through that process. Sometimes it's nice for you all to be together as a family during that very challenging time. And other times you don't necessarily need, you're, maybe you have a young puppy that's crazy and jumping in your face during a time when you really want to focus your attention on the pet you're losing, unfortunately. She's the best. She's Chicago's exotic pet vet, so I don't care whether you got a hedgehog or a cat or a pig or a dog. If you've got a question, 312-981-7200. We can probably get in about three of those. Dr. Dana Barbell is with us. We're talking dogs, cats, pigs, hedgehogs, whatever you have. Um, and when we were talking about dogs grieving, someone said, is there any way to help them when they're grieving the loss of, you know, one of their best four-footed friends, or maybe it's a person in the family? Yeah, you know, there are ways. And the hardest thing during that time is trying to find your routine back. Um, You know, especially if if you've lost another dog, they went for walks together every day. Sometimes, you know, as their person, we're going through so much. 
that we kind of forget the other pets in it. And I'm going to tell you, it's really hard, sometimes incredibly challenging during those times. But, you know, if you went for a walk every day in the morning, try and keep going for a walk every day in the morning. It's going to help you. It's going to help your pets go through it. But it's really that routine that they cling to, and they will turn to you to look for, you know, that kind of guidance through that period. Yeah, good question. Somebody said my dog has C-U-P-D. I had to look that up, and I'm like, okay, I've never heard of that. And they were told that he needs all of his teeth to be removed. Is that really necessary? Oh, yuck. Yeah, this is a disease that causes really severe changes in the gums. And, you know, the hard thing with that is that the gums can get so diseased that the teeth underneath them start to get infected. They can cause a lot of problems, and it can be very painful. So if you're worried about your dog's dental health, the best thing to do is during their annual exam, ask your veterinarian about it. Um, How does their teeth look? Is there something wrong? How do those gums look? Because dogs, just like us, suffer from both tooth problems, things like tooth root abscesses and teeth that have lost their nerve function and teeth that get infected. Cats even get cavities just like us. So, you know, have those teeth checked every year during their annual exam. And your veterinarian can work with you, um, recommend what's the best care. But sometimes disease progresses so much that we have to remove the teeth. Now, it sounds awful, but I had to have that done with one of my cats, and she went back to eating kibble, hard kibble, in two days. They're really quite remarkable. Yeah. And again, my Border Collie mix, he's probably had eight or ten teeth taken. He needs to have another eight or ten teeth taken. It's just mm-hmm. odd, but that's that's who he is. Um, let's jump to line three, Leanne. Leanne has a cat with herpes. Sure. I adopted one of those cat with mm-hmm. herpes. Oh, Leanne. So what's your question for Dr. Varble? Yeah. Well, somebody told me that I should give her L-lysine, which is, um, you know, a human medicine, and it's like mm-hmm. 500 milligrams, and I don't know how much to give her or how often or what. Yeah, so this is a great question. Herpes is a virus that, again, it's, almost every species has their own herpes virus. So the good news is is feline herpes is just for cats. Human herpes is just for humans. We can't share them. So that's the good news. What we found out is there is an amino acid called L-lysine, And um, it's not really a drug. It's really more of a supplement because, again, amino acids are in all of our foods. So L-lysine is one of those amino acids. And there are there's some evidence that more L-lysine can help decrease the virus replication in herpes virus. Does it work all the time? It it doesn't. You know, it's not perfect, but. Amino acids are very safe. Again, they're just kind of part of our food. They're in meat. So you can give your cat. I always the hard thing is, is when we see those human pills, they're huge. <laughs> right. So I generally say cut it in half or fourth. You don't have to worry about an overdose. Worst thing with it, you might get a little upset tummy, in which case I'd go back to an even lower dose. And you can also talk to your vet about it. There's some cat formulas, too. Yeah, I think that mine was in a tube and I would just take a, it was almost like a clear cream and I would just put it on my finger and put it on the roof of her mouth and that was it. Yeah, I was going to say there's some paste and some ointments that you can use, things you can add to their food, even some powdered versions. It's not a prescription drug. It's over the counter. Again, it's very, very safe. 
Uh, let's go to Scott. He is on line one. Scott, you've got another cat question. What do you want to ask Dr. Dana Varbel? Well, I'd like to ask her as I've had a cat. It was an outside cat. I brought it in and got along with my other majestic tabby, like sisters automatically. But she, over the last two years, keeps changing. Well, her personality doesn't change, but she starts doing different things. And recently, she's all, she's been the counter cat. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind my cats being on the counter because I keep my counters clean and I do all the cleaning and stuff and everything. But recently, she's decided that she's going to jump up on my shoulders and my back. And I'm kind of oh. and very, very affectionate. Why? <laughs> That's a, yes. Oh, here I am with my head tilted. Why cats do things like this? Oh, gosh, the mysteries abound. You know, it is a common behavior in cats. So what you're describing is usually a, a actually it's a good thing because if this cat's been with you for two years and she was transitioned from an outside cat, her jumping up on you and landing on your shoulders is actually a sign of comfort and affection. It means she trusts you. She really likes you. She's willing to kind of let you be her her guide through life, her boat, her, if you will, perch. her ship at sea. Yes. Um, you know, with cats, with birds, it can be a sign of dominance. But with cats, it's more often just curiosity. Like, hey, what's the world look like from up here? Um, you can try and train them out of it by encouraging them to stay down, taking them off your shoulder, because it can be a little disruptive, especially if you have a larger cat. And some of them like to kind of sneak attack and do this. So, like, you'll be walking by a counter or walking by a shelf, and they'll just plop right on yeah. top of you, which is not comfortable. So encourage them not to do it if you don't want it. But otherwise, I'd say take it as a compliment. And one <laughs> last question from Carol. Carol is on line four. And, Carol, this is about your pup's teeth not falling out. Yeah, oh. she's going to be seven months old, and she's only about five, a little over five pounds so she's little, but she mm-hmm. has almost two full sets of teeth. Oh, no. Yeah, by this age, usually pups start losing their teeth anywhere from about three and a half months up until they're about six months of age. And that's when their teeth change over from those deciduous baby teeth to adult teeth. But for some reason, some puppies... Usually, unfortunately, it happens more often in these little tiny toy breed dogs. Their deciduous teeth, their baby teeth, don't fall out when they should. And obviously, that can become a problem. It gets really crowded in there. And unfortunately, it can cause decay and disease in their adult teeth because we can get food stuck in there. A lot of times, what we recommend as veterinarians is probably coming up to the age where we're considering spay or neuter, They're going to be under anesthesia anyway. And typically those baby teeth are not well-developed. So they're very easy to remove. So it's not quite what Lisa had to go through with her dog. Removing adult (laughs) teeth is a battle. But removing those baby teeth, generally pretty easy. Definitely needs to be done under anesthesia. So it's usually something we combine when it gets beta neuter. That's a good one. Thank you so much for answering everyone's questions. We appreciate you so much. Dr. Dana Varble, and it is ChicagoExoticPetVet.com. ExoticPetVet.com, yeah. ExoticPetVet.com. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks so much, Lisa.